So as the slide said, we have started this series way back at the beginning of the year. So if you've missed them, don't worry, they're all on YouTube and go check them out. If you don't want to watch, you just want to listen, it's also on all of your podcast listening services so you can track it down, get caught up. But we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, one of the biggest collections of Jesus' teaching we have in the Gospels. And uh, up at this point, we've kind of been looking at the idea of be different. And this week, and for the next six weeks, we're going to kind of shift. It's still about being different. It's still embracing the teachings of Jesus that sometimes and often are contrary to the way that sin in the world has taught us how to approach life. Uh, but we're kind of having this sub-series within the series. And it's perfect timing because February is usually the time we talk about relationships and how to do healthy relationships especially our marriage, because Valentine's Day, and it all just ties together so nicely. Um, And wouldn't you have it, for the next six weeks, everything we're going to talk about is very much, if we apply the things that Jesus is teaching us, our relationships are going to get better. And not just our marriage, but our relationship with our kids, our relationship with our co-workers, and our employees, and our bosses, and everything we're going to talk about. And it's a very different approach but it's going to be a very good approach. And so for the next six weeks, pay close attention. And yes, it's kind of a rehashing of some of the commandments, and there's all kinds of things we often get distracted with for the next six weeks. But the big thing I want you to see is how much better each and every one of your relationships could be if we take the things Jesus is teaching us and put it into action. And this morning I'm planning on being a little bit shorter because... The content we're going to talk about is going to require a response out of most of us. I'm going to say that. It's going to require a response, and I don't want us to rush the response. Um, I want us to have time to pause and not rush out the door because the meal's burning or something. Um, Because I think God wants to do something really important in our lives. Uh, especially in the regards, what we're talking about this morning is anger. And uh, what Jesus is going to say is so contrary to the way that the world and society has often taught us about anger that it's going to require a bit of a pause to just stop and allow God to speak to you in this realm. Um, I know, I don't know why I'm saying all this. I mean, this is one church. We don't have anger issues, right? Like we are just constantly at peace with one another. It's just blissful enjoyment all the time. We never fight. We never offend one another. We're just, right? We're just, and this is just, it's just for everyone online. Really? Right? So that's just, anyways, with all that, now that I've pumped your tires a little bit, uh, Matthew 5, starting in verse 21, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, so this is the first of these You've heard it said, but I say. And the next six weeks, you're going to hear this. You've heard it said. You've heard it taught, but I say. And it's Jesus giving his perspective on these things. I say, if you are even angry with somebody, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Wow. Let that one sink in just a little bit. If you are angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. 
if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So, uh, unpack this one a little bit. Um, <coughs> Jesus ties anger to murder because, let's be honest, the root of murder is anger. And even within the Old Testament law and within our own laws, there's a, this is a reason that there's a difference between manslaughter and murder. Manslaughter is not premeditated. It, it's almost accidental in its nature. But murder is premeditated. Murder, there's a plan. There's an evidence of buildup. There's just something that you've been sitting on for a while. And why would you premeditate to hurt somebody that you like? Right? You, you don't premeditate to hurt somebody that you're just joyful and only have happy thoughts about. You premeditate somebody's pain if you're angry with them, if you're hurt by them. And so Jesus is saying that the root of murder, the root of this big law that, you, that God laid out for you way back in the beginning, the root is anger. And so there's no room for anger in God's kingdom. I want you to let that one sink in a little bit. There's no room in God's good kingdom that's coming for anger. Number two, what is not, this is not happening. It, what is not happening is Jesus not setting up a hierarchy of sin. Well, uh, I'm mad at the person, but I haven't insulted them yet. Right? So, so I, you know, my punishment's going to be a little bit less. No, 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 no. What Jesus is saying is that because what has often been pr- taught, and I remember hearing this, this whole, like, if you call someone an idiot, you're going to be brought before the court. What human court is going to try you for calling somebody a name? What, what judge can possibly try you for an emotion that you are feeling inwardly? No one. So what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about God's court. If you are angry, you're going to be subject to God's judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're going to be brought toward, before God's court. If you hate someone, the judgment's already been passed. There's no hierarchy. There's not like, it's all anger. It's all not acceptable. So don't try to be like, well, you know, I I was less angry on the scale that Jesus laid out. No, there's no less angry. There is just no room for anger whatsoever. Now, I do need to qualify that. There's a difference between anger at someone and angry about something. Thing. Because whenever we talk about anger and how there's no room for anger in God's kingdom, they're like, well, Jesus flipped tables. Right? That's always the argument that comes up. There's a vast difference between what Jesus is teaching here and what was going on with the flipping of tables. What Jesus is saying is that when we are angry with someone because they said something, they did something, this is what is not acceptable. What Jesus was angry about in that moment wasn't the people. He was angry about what they were doing. And what were they doing in the temple? They were exploiting people. He said, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. And what Jesus is saying, what we need to understand when it comes to anger is that there's a difference between being angry at someone. And pick on, well, I pick on Louis because he can take it. There's a difference between me being angry at Louis because he said something to me and he hurt my feelings and now I'm mad at him. And, there's a, and the other, versus being angry because there's sex slavery going on right now because people are being kidnapped right now because there's slavery of all kind right now because there's injustices and 
exploitation of people and sin. That's different because I'm not mad at the people that are committing it. I'm mad at the fact that it's happening. That's different. This is a righteous anger. This is the kind of stuff that fuels us and pushes us to be the people that God has called us to be. It's not being mad at one individual person. It's not even being mad at a group of people. It's being mad about what is happening because people are sinful and we're going to act sinfully. So there's no point of being mad at individual people. And I hope you get the difference. There's the righteous anger that is mad about sin and slavery and injustice and exploitation. And there's the anger that comes when I'm mad at an individual person because they hurt my feelings. And what God is saying is that there, what Jesus is saying is that there's no room for this one. In Jesus' better righteousness, in the new standard of what it means to be in God's kingdom, there's no room for this right, for this kind of anger. None. Zippo. And so before we get any further, I gotta ask you, are you mad at anyone this morning? Are you holding on to anything this morning? Is there any bitterness or unforgiveness or is there anything? Are you mad at somebody? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? And just so you know, Louie and I are good. I'm just picking on him because he's there. He's in the middle and the camera's, it's, it's where he sat. Anyways, he can take it. Um, I don't pick on all the guests like this, but, you know, are you angry at anybody? Is there something you need to let go of? Somebody once said that anger, holding on to anger and unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison hoping it hurts the person that you're angry at. And even when it comes to anger, um, in the marriage prep course that I do with people, one of the things they they say is that anger is often just a cover-up of what's really going on. Because anger is an emotion that we can kind of control. So, you may be angry, but are you actually hurt? Are you actually, um, are you actually afraid? Are you act- what's what is really going on deeper? What's the root of the anger? <coughs> so, are you angry with anybody? Is there somebody you need to forgive? Is there some? And not that I just say you know, snap your fingers, it's all better. I'm not saying that. But even in the process, is there somebody that you need to start the process of forgiving? somebody that you need to start the process of letting go and not because of them but all because of what it does for you continuing on in the passage verse 23 so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you leave your sacrifice there at the altar go and be reconciled to that person they come offer your sacrifice to god and when you're on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge, who will hand you over to the officer, who, and you will be thrown into prison. If that happens, you surely won't be, set, you won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. And there's something really important. You need to see the shift that has happened here. The first two verses talked about the anger that you are feeling, and now Jesus has shifted focus and saying, that this is the kind of anger that you've caused. And what Jesus is trying to communicate to us is that anger is such a big deal. Anger is so, has n- such a no place among God's holy people and God's holy kingdom 
that not only do we need to be aware if we're starting to feel anger, but we need to be aware if we've caused anger in somebody else. Why? Because we're brothers and sisters. In many translations, it doesn't say someone. It often says brothers or brothers and sisters because Matthew and Jesus want us to get the idea that you are not just random people that I put up with on Sunday morning, but you are my brothers and sisters, and I love you, and I want what's best for you. And it's not just me saying this, but you say this. This is your mentality that when we come to church and we're amongst the believers that we are looking out for each other. And so have I said something to upset somebody? Have I caused an offense? Because if anger is a big deal, I don't want to cause it in my brothers and sisters. I don't want them to be subject to judgment and I don't want them to fall in the category that Jesus just laid out. It's a call to be careful with our words. It's a call to actually love one another enough that I am not going to intentionally upset you. And even in the times where I have to say the hard thing and I might upset you a little bit, it's to have the humility to come later and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that what I said upset you. I'm sorry that what I did upset you. How much more care can we show somebody than when we know that we know that we've upset them, that we go to them and be like, I'm sorry. Can I make this right? How can I make this right? Because I don't want you to be angry. I don't want you to be holding on to this any longer than, than you have. And so what is Jesus describing? When Jesus is talking about the altar, because we don't have an altar, right? We have the stage. What Jesus is describing is a very solemn moment of worship. It's just you and God. And he says, in that moment, when you're praying or you're worshiping or whatever it is that you're doing, and it comes to mind that you may have upset somebody, whether it's you remembering or God bringing it to mind, Jesus doesn't say, wait till the moment is over and then go make it right. Why? Because now you're distracted. I guarantee it. I've been there. Our natural response is just push through, right? I just, I need to get through this worship time and then I'll go make it right. And what Jesus is saying is, no, don't push through. Don't try to get through it and then plan, make a plan. What does he say? He says, drop everything. Immediately go make it right. Why? Because we don't know how much time we have. And we started this message, we started this series by saying we need to be intentional because time is short. Jesus could come back at any moment. It's not just Jesus coming back. Something could happen. And we don't want to miss the opportunity that we have. If Jesus impresses on us, if the Spirit in us impresses on us that we have upset someone, we've caused anger in somebody, Jesus says, drop everything and go make it right now. And that is radical. That is extreme. But it's a picture of the new expectation of the new kingdom, the better righteousness that Jesus has planted in us. Remember, we talked about last week, it's, you, are, you can't make yourself righteous. You don't do these things to be righteous. You are righteous. God has made you new. When you declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior and believe that God rose him from the dead, you are made new. You are a new creation. The old is gone. It's put away. You need to let go of the old way and let the righteousness that God has planted in you with his Holy Spirit to come out of you in abundance. 
it's not up to you to feel like doing it. It's up to you to say, God, I know you're impressing this on me. Spirit, I need your help. Because I'm really mad at that person. Or it's been a really long time and I really don't want to dig up old bones. Yeah, but I, but if God impressed it on you, then it's important that you need to address it. And even in the second story about dealing with your adversary and making sure, Jesus isn't actually talking about us. He's not calling us to be concerned about whether or not we're going to prison, but actually even our adversary to come alongside them and not want to stir anger in our enemies. At the end of the sub-series about relationships, it's going to talk about our enemies. It's going to talk about how we need to love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute us. Well, this is a direct connection to what Jesus is saying right now. Your adversary, your enemy, when he's taking you to court, make every effort to make it right. Make it every effort to resolve whatever is going on between you. And it's got nothing to do with the fact that you're going to spend all your time in prison until the debt is paid, but it has everything to do with trying to remove the anger that they are feeling. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about your neighbor. Sorry, I hate to burst your bubble, but. So this is where we're going to end, okay? I've been quick this morning, believe it or not. I don't know, maybe it felt draggy, but I was quick this morning. (coughs) Who do you make things right with? Who have you angered? And maybe you can't think of anybody, but that's why I'm creating space this morning for you to just pause and let God reveal it to you. Because I think there's times where in this moment, as we respond, as we pause to what God is doing, the most important thing is that if there's somebody here that you need to make things right with, don't leave and don't let them leave until you've had the opportunity because God has given you an opportunity. God has brought them to you. You don't even have to go track them down. They're here. Go find them. Be like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I upset you. I'm sorry that I've caused anger in you. And maybe that's not where you are. Maybe when I said, are you angry with somebody, the name popped into your head instantaneously. Well, then maybe you need to work through that too. The big point is that anger has no place. And so we can't have it within ourselves and we can't be causing it to one another. That's a really high standard. That's a really high bar to meet. And we're not going to do it perfectly, which is where the humility comes in to say, you know what, I'm sorry that I upset you. How can I make it right? I'm sorry that I did this. I don't want this anger to take root, to fester, and to make things worse. So how can I help? How can I make things better?